took me so much editing this week. Sorry. <laughs> it's not you. It's not you. It's me. Hello, and welcome to The Juice and the Squeeze, a zesty podcast by two academics about where, how, and why we focus our efforts. I'm Julia Strand, here with my co-host, Jonathan Peel. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, Julia. Hi, Jonathan. So I have a question for you, which is, uh, since our last episode, how did we do it taking breaks? I mean, how did we do it uh, joining the resistance? Yeah, exactly. Did you join the resistance? Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a card-carrying member. Yes, I have been. I have been mindful in part because at the end of the last episode, we said that we would report back. Um, so I have two things to say. One is uh, yesterday I was um, near the end of my workday and my plan had been that I was going to do all of the work. That is all of the work that there was to be done and then go and exercise. Um, but at the end of the day, I hadn't done all of the work, but I still went and exercised. Yes. Uh, and then the other thing is that um, here in Minnesota, we are in the very last of the days where you can sit outside and really enjoy sunshine on your face. I mean, you can enjoy sunshine on your face when it's 40 below too, but you know, it's different. Um, and so I have been investing some time in sharpening my saw by enjoying sunshine and cocktails with friends very deliberately. Hey, good for you. That yeah. sounds good. How about you? I did. Okay. Um, there was actually a tweet a little while ago that inspired me to take a walk every day. And um, and so I've actually been doing pretty good on that this week, every day, at least. Um, sometimes it's to and from work, but I still count it because I can think if I want to or listen to a podcast or whatever. So um, this week is pretty good. But it also reminded me of something uh, kind of related, which is the importance of having people to kind of keep you accountable and encourage you. And so in this case, it was our podcast and the fact that we promised we'd check in. And I knew that you and all of our many listeners would uh, be holding me accountable for mm -hmm. taking a break this week. So that's another topic we could return to at some yeah. point, which is just the importance of having support from peers and family or podcast listeners or whoever it might be. You know, and, and in fact, that first story that I told I was getting to the end of my workday and thinking to myself, it's a little more complicated than, than that in that my dear, dear friend Emily was in the room with me and I was like, oh, I was going to work out, but I don't know. Should I still do it? She was like, yeah, you should go work out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, great. Thanks, Emily. Thanks, Emily. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, Emily, what are you doing this week? Because I need someone to keep me accountable. <laughs> so um, I had another thing to talk about, which is something I like. Would you like to hear about it? I, you know, I would. I, okay, good. Well, so this is actually another podcast. It's something that a couple of graduate students at Wash U are doing, and it's called To All the Movies I've Loved Before. Ooh. And what they're doing is they're going back and rewatching or, or watching movies from their preteen and teenage years and kind of seeing how they stack up with where um, – where the hosts are now in their life and, you know, things they like and things that maybe haven't aged so well and just sort of what are the messages that are are being sent. Um, so these are not movies from my preteen years, but I've enjoyed uh, listening to them anyway, and they do a little bit of a recap. So even if you don't watch the movie, uh, it's still interesting. And is it are they like recording while the movie is happening or is it like their reflections afterwards? Uh, reflections afterwards mm -hmm. so far. Yeah. And so, hi, Drew and Lauren. You're doing a great job. I love the podcast. It is uh, to all the movies pod. 
www.podbean.com and they're also on Twitter to all the movies. I'll check it out. All right. Great. So one of the things that I wanted to do with this podcast is to share information and insights that I thought might be useful to others and talk about issues in academia and life that I don't think get talked about enough. Um, and as we've been coming up with topics and brainstorming what, what might be interesting to cover, uh, I've been thinking to myself, what are the things that I think about or worry about that I'd like someone else's input on? Uh, and I'm also considering, what are the things that I have figured out or I'm working on figuring out that I would have really benefited from hearing earlier in my career? And so mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the things that I kind of want to do with this podcast is like try to share some of the things that I've gleaned in the last couple of years with my, with my former self or, you know, with other people at earlier stages in career um, that, that just might, might help stuff that I wish I had heard earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. And that's um, part of the reason I'm here is just to learn from you. And so I'm anxiously awaiting your wisdom <laughs> on this topic. Yes, here I have all of the answers. No, no. Uh, okay. But so, so one topic that I've been thinking about a lot lately has to do with framing. So the classic framing effects in psychology. Um, uh, framing is, is a, a cognitive heuristic or a bias um, in which the way that information is presented basically affects how people evaluate it. Um, and this has been well studied in lots of different domains, and it probably has some good intuitive appeal too. Um, so as one example, if you're going to the store and you want to buy some hamburger meat, you're more likely to buy it and you will probably like it more uh, if it's labeled 95% lean than if it's labeled 5% pure fat, mm-hmm. right? Even though like it means the same thing. So there's just like a fact of the matter about the product, but we can choose to like focus on on different facets of the meat. I realize I'm not I'm not like much of a meat eater. I should have chosen a different metaphor, but but this is a nice like intuitive one. Um, you know, but we see it like in politics too, like what, what, uh, organizations are named, right? We call it like pro-choice and pro-life, not pro-choice and anti-choice, right? Like the, the names that people choose affect how you think about things, right? So I was thinking about this concept of, of framing, which I think has intuitive appeal for how we're evaluating things externally. Um, but I was thinking about this a lot, uh, while I was, I was running, um, a couple of weekends ago, I ran a, a 15k race. And I got into running late in life. And the fact that I would even like say I was running a 15k race is just bananas to me because running is the worst and I hate it. And yet I love it. And now I have to do it. And I love it. And somehow this this is the thing that's happened to me, even though I'm not a runner, but I am. I don't know. Anyway, but now you are. But now I am. Right. Okay. So, so I get on the starting line. It's early in the morning um, and it's drizzly and it's kind of cold. And I thought this was going to be like a really big race with tons of people. Um, But as we get closer to starting time, I'm seeing a very small crowd. And there's a bunch of people wearing like marathon t-shirts and stuff. And I'm like, oh, boy, what a stiff competition here. Um, I mean, not that I expected to win or anything, but, you know. You never know. It's very serious. Uh It's more serious than I expected. Mm -hmm. Um, And I overhear people talking about like how hilly the course is, which I had totally forgotten. Um, So the gun goes off and people like take off and they like take off. Like everyone is passing me. And it's becoming clear that this race is like much more competitive 
than I realized. Um, and I'm <laughs> like, thinking, what did like, you get it yourself into? Right. Right. Totally. And I'm like, okay, do I run as fast as everybody else or do I just keep the pace that I know that I should? And so I just like kept running the pace that I knew that I should so that I didn't, you know, fall apart in the middle. Um, but it's obvious that I'm going to be way at the back of the pack. So I run the race and I finish and I was way at the bottom of the pack. I was in like the bottom 10%. Okay, so all of the things, this description that I have given of the race is factually true. Um, and in my first couple miles, that's what I was thinking about. I was like, you're going you're gonna to be right at the end. Everyone else who's doing this is faster than you. Um, but, but midway through the race, I, I started thinking about the fact that this is my first race that I have run since I have birthed two human beings. So mm -hmm. just, you know, grew them inside of me and kept them alive with no sleep for years. And I'm uh, using that same body now to run 15 kilometers. So that's like, that's a, that's a big accomplishment right there. And I've got a pretty demanding job and I'm raising small children. And so making time to train, just making any time to train is an accomplishment. And I'm super proud to like get out there and run this race and finish it. And in fact, my splits were faster than I expected them to be. Like mm -hmm. based on how I've been running and training, I finished a lot quicker than I than I thought that I would. And afterwards, I I felt really good. Like I physically, I felt really strong. It didn't destroy me. I hadn't fallen apart. Okay, so everything that I have said in that second chunk is also factually true about the race, right? I mm -hmm. I, I, I both of them are factually accurate, but one of them is like is five percent fat, and one of right. them is ninety five percent lean, right? Mm -hmm. And so when people ask me how did the run go. I could choose either of those narratives. I could say, I finished in the bottom 10% and it was hillier than I expected. Or I could say, that was the first race I did after having babies and I felt awesome and I'm really proud of myself for having done it. Um, and so in this long time that I was running, and, and it was long, I'll point out that I ran for a longer amount of time than 90% of the other runners. <laughs> um, uh, as I was, as I was like, you know, thinking about this, I was like, I, both of these are true. And I get to choose which version of this story that I tell and which version of the story that I, you know, tell myself. And I've had this conversation with a few people since they've been like, oh boy, I hadn't kind of thought about that in terms of like framing effects and the stories that we tell ourselves and the stories that we tell other people. Uh, but I think that that's like a much happier memory for me and like a better experience because I made like kind of a conscious decision to have like a positive personal narrative about it. Mm -hmm. and at, it also, yeah, oh, at what point did you, um, did you make that decision? I mean, was it when you showed up and you started, were you aware of these kind of two narratives or, you know, no. was it partway through the race at mile five or whatever that you started thinking about this? Yeah, it was at mile something. I don't know. Uh, but it was definitely like the first couple miles I was in the narrative of, man, Julia, you are not a very fast runner. Um, and then as I was going and I was kind of like trying to talk myself out of having that bad attitude that I, you know, started thinking about all of these other things that, that are also factually true. And I can just like be choosing to focus on. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I feel like. I feel like giving people advice of like, have a good attitude, be more positive is not very helpful advice to give. Right. Um, but, but this experience was somewhat different for me because I was realizing that 
there are just like different components of the same experience that I can focus on and like, you know, devote my attention to. It's not denying your feelings, right? So if you're mm-hmm. feeling, you know, upset or depressed or angry about something and someone tells you to cheer up or get over it, um, <laughs> yeah, that it was never helpful. And also it's kind of inauthentic because that's not where you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you're describing is more of um, like, dare I say, a cognitive intervention where you're there's lots of things that are true and you're being intentional about focusing on some positive aspects of it. Yeah. Yeah. I should mention, um, we are not clinical psychologists, uh, so this is not intended to be treatment advice. I think focusing on positive framing can be a useful thought technology in um, in a lot of ways. Uh, but I also know that there are challenges that people face that framing positively will not help them with. So if that's the case, I encourage people, of course, to seek treatment, medication, counseling. Uh, um, this is not intended to replace any of those things. Right. Yeah. Good point. So Jonathan, you went on a trip recently. I did. And my guess is that some good things happened on that trip and some bad things happened on that trip as with all trips, right? That's true. Yep. Totally. And when you came back from that trip, which are the things you focus on? (laughs) Uh, well, luckily the good things, um, but not always intentionally. No, I'm laughing because I, I've been in situations where I've had exactly the choice that you described, where there are a lot of facts and some are maybe more positive and some are less positive. And I've actually felt myself almost making the decision to focus on the negative parts because, mm-hmm. you know, whatever mood I'm in or um, what have you. And so I, I've kind of seen how this can fail if you do the opposite, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like there are some good things and there are some bad things and I'm going to grumble about the bad things for the next week, um, almost on purpose because I'm not letting myself get over it as opposed to uh, letting myself kind of reframe things. So mm-hmm. um, actually on, on this trip, we had a great trip and it was very easy to focus on positive things, but definitely in the past that hasn't been the case. So mm-hmm. I guess um, what that made me think of is sort of the role of awareness and intentionality uh, in this process. I think some people tend to do this more automatically as part of their personality or just how they've sort of grown up. And uh, for other people, it probably requires a little more thoughtfulness about mm-hmm. what's going on and sort of maybe a little more, you know, top down intervention. Um, so mm-hmm. I think I'm in that category of. I definitely need to kind of catch myself and give myself a little pep talk uh, to mm-hmm. help kind of reframe some of these things. Um, I mean, yeah, how, where do you fall on that spectrum? I mean, is this something that you've had to work on intentionally or do you think it came naturally? Um, I think I think I am lucky that for whatever combination of reasons, I, I just have a pretty good attitude to begin with. Um, and it's also something I work on really intentionally because it's something that I that I really care about. And the, the, the reason that I wanted to talk about this is that it's only recently that I have kind of become aware that I am working intentionally on it. And, mm-hmm. and I wish someone had told me earlier that, like, you know, there, there are different ways of presenting the, the, the same experience or the same idea um, to yourself and to others. And one of the, one of the other um, really nice kind of concrete examples that I have about this uh, also came through Emily. It was from her sister. And, and the idea is this. 
Um, this is about, in, in particular, being a mom, but you can apply it to any role that you want. Um, periodically, I, uh, I don't do things perfectly. I know it's hard to believe, but no, hear me <laughs> out. This is a thing that happens. Uh, you know, I forget that the kid wanted to wear a specific outfit tomorrow and I didn't wash it. And then the kid is disappointed because they can't wear the outfit. Right. And when these things happen, when we have these like, you know, shortcomings or, uh, 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 you know, we mess up in various ways. Um, one thing that I hear a lot of women say in those situations is, oh, I can't believe I'm such a bad mom. Mm-hmm. This is, and, and using this phrase, I'm such a bad mom, or I can't believe I did this thing in class. I'm such a bad teacher, or I can't believe I forgot to call them. I'm such a bad friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and using these lines where you're saying these really mean and negative things about yourself, I think is another, uh, another example of framing in a really specific way that is, that is just the 5% fat, like harmful way of, of, of framing things. Um, because in fact, I'm not a bad mom because I forgot to wash a dress. I happen to be forgetful, but you know, that's not a reflection of like who I am in that role completely. Um, but, but I do think that we, that we hear the things that we say to ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, and that framing that as, gosh, I forgot that. And I bet I forgot it because I was doing this other thing and I'm going to work hard to not forget it next time by changing this in my routine, I think is a much more positive way of, of approaching that in a way that's less likely to, you know, make me feel bad about myself. Right. I think if you have those kind of global um, stories, you, you know, I'm a bad dad, it's easy to find things that would fit into that, right? Because it's such mm-hmm. a broad category. And if that's your mentality, you can easily find evidence for it. Um, whereas if the narrative is sort of, you know, I'm a human doing my best and I wish I had not done that thing, but oh, well, you kind of mm-hmm. move on with your life, then you sort of don't have that kind of confirmation bias as you go through other other aspects too. Right. And that, that saying that also kind of like absolves you of, absolves you of some of the responsibility of figuring out how to do it better next time. Mm, yeah. Right. Like, oh, this is to be expected. I'm a bad mom right. rather than boy, I should really set myself a reminder that I need to do that, you know, for the next time. Right. Yeah, that's a good point, too. As I'm hearing myself saying all this, though, see, we hear the things we say to ourselves. Um, As I'm hearing myself say this, I also want to point out that I'm not advocating for like some kind of, you know, like Pollyanna view of the world where we just sugarcoat everything and whitewash over everything that's negative. I think I think there's a real time and place for being grumbly and having really, you know, hard feelings and struggling with things. And I do not mean to imply that having a good attitude means always having a good attitude every second of the day, right? Like mm-hmm. that's total, totally impossible. We'll do another episode, Julia, on just, you know, the best way to complain and let off steam about all the crap people have to deal with. You know what? And it's important to feel your feelings mm-hmm. before you can right. move on, right? right? So mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not advocating against that. <laughs> Um, but what I hear you saying, or at least how I'm taking it, is that this is a tool in the tool belt, and there are situations where it's the right tool. And if mm-hmm. you're not aware of it and you don't try it, then, of course, you're missing out on that. So, yeah, I'm sure there are times um, where this is not going to help, but I can think of lots of times when it actually would, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. A nice, nice way of framing it there. Huh, huh, thanks. <laughs> I have a good example of this. Um, it was a funny example, but I, I actually appreciate what was going on. 
I had a teacher, uh, so I was a music major as an undergraduate, which I've mentioned before, and we had a really lovely music theory teacher who really didn't like telling people they were wrong. And so she would look for any positive thing in a student's answer to try to encourage them before sort of letting them know that actually they were wrong. And so, mm-hmm. and this is a very like, specific music example, but it, you know, I'm going to use it anyway. And so if, you know, she said, Oh, there's an F in this piece of music. And what, what chord do you think that would be? And, and someone would say, Oh, it's uh, you know, it's the tonic chord. And she would say, well, if we were in a different key and it was an F sharp, then you would be <laughs> correct. But actually, it's not. And it was so funny. So I, but I appreciated that she would um, actually put some effort into maybe joining in their thought process and encouraging the parts that she thought were correct, even if the answer was wrong. Because um, that makes me think about we can work on framing things in our own lives and we have con- you know control over that if we're aware of it but then when we're talking to other people we also have the chance to frame things for them so for mm-hmm. example mm-hmm. giving someone feedback on a manuscript as a side note anytime i use an example about a grant or a manuscript or a student in the lab, it's always like an amalgamation. So don't read into it too much. So I, I don't think <laughs> I've actually given anyone feedback on a manuscript in a little while. Hint, hint. Uh, but this is this is a made up example. But pretend someone gave me a manuscript that was like, I thought needed a lot of work. I could f- frame my feedback to them as saying, this really needs a lot of work. And here are 10 things that aren't ready. Go Go and fix them. Mm-hmm. Or I could frame it as in, hey, here's here are all the things that you did really well and kind of go through that first and then say, OK, and then here are the things we have to improve. And I think in my own writing, if I'm reading something I wrote, I usually do not take the time to pat myself on the back and say, you know, that was a really good paragraph. Mm-hmm. Um I just think, okay, what has to be changed? And I kind of focus on the practical part. But obviously other people are coming from different places and have perhaps less experience writing a paper than I do and things like that. So I mm-hmm. I do hopefully try to be intentional about uh, acknowledging the positive and the negative. And that's in person, but also, um, I don't know about, about you, Julia, but I often end up leaving electronic comments on people's manuscripts, you know, on mm-hmm. Google or Word or whatever. And so I also try to leave notes about things I like. You know, that was a great intro sentence. I really like the phrasing here you know, good turn of phrase, good reference, whatever, so that it's not that every single comment is sort of, uh, you know, a criticism, even if it's a constructive one. Right. Being intentional about leaving praise as well as suggestions, uh, rather than just having the assumption be, if I didn't criticize it, it's good. Right, right. Of course, you should know it's good. I'm just going to tell you it's bad. Yeah, that's, that's really nice. I mean, I think about, um, you know, being mindful um, especially about how the input that you give is is you know perceived by people who are more junior than you or you know uh, uh, eager to to get your opinion. Actually, that's true. Oh. But oh, you 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 go, <laughs> you go. Okay, I've got I've got a pretty good one. Um, okay, so here's a related point. We're thinking about the stories we tell ourselves, the stories that we tell other people. Um, one of the ways that I think. It can be can be effective for me in figuring out if I'm telling myself 
the kind of story that I want to, like if I'm being kind to myself and, you know, framing, framing in positive ways is sometimes I try to imagine like the situation that I'm in. If it's something that I'm concerned about or I'm struggling with, um, if a friend were in that situation and were talking to me about it and like, how would I see it for that friend? What advice would I give them? Um, and I guess this is going to be a running example again, but like, if things are going badly and you're having a bad run, my impulse is to say to myself, what's the matter with you? You're not doing a good job. See, you'll never really be a runner. Whereas if a friend of mine was telling me about being in a comparable situation, I'd say, oh boy, yeah, no, that's tough. But you know, you haven't slept in a couple of days and uh, I know you're really dehydrated or something. So like, just good for you for getting out there and try again and the next one will be better. Um, and I would never say to another person some of the things that I say to myself, mm -hmm, right? right? And not even like I would want to say them and wouldn't have the nerve, but like I would never be that mean to another human being as I would as I would be to myself. Um, and so that that can be, I think, another kind of uh, uh, tool in the tool belt of is this the kind of thing that you would ever say to another person? And if not, what are you doing being meaner to yourself than anybody else? Yeah, I like that. Uh, two things came up. So just going back to, to something you said, which I agree with about being careful about framing it to, you know, more junior colleagues. But I think it's also true for peers. And I've been on the kind of receiving end of this, especially with things like um, grant applications, where I've sent mm -hmm. around, you know, my specific aims to colleagues for feedback. And a few times I've gotten really helpful feedback that was basically like, this is all wrong. Uh, and, you know, especially if it's like a, the deadline's coming up, it really sort of, it's like a dagger to the chest. You know, you think I spent all this time on it and I send it to someone who I respect to and hoping that they would say, you know, attaboy, pat on the back, and here's a couple, mm -hmm. you know, you missed a typo here. Uh, and then when they kind of come back and say, you, you've got this aimed all wrong, it's not going to work. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for to know that, but that also is uh, it's hard to hear. And so, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I guess part so one of the stories I tell myself is to to suck it up and be a grown up and it's okay, which and it is. But I think um, it would be easier to hear the criticism if they just, you know, said, hey, if, if they said something nice about it first. Right. Um, not dishonestly, you know, but uh, something that, that I could hang on to. It just helps helps hear the other part, too. And that's that's you, you use the word dishonestly. And I want to just really emphasize that that in all of this, I mean, to go back to our 95 percent lean, 5 percent mm -hmm. fat example, like. Both of those things are factually accurate, right. and I am I am not advocating for a positive attitude that makes you divorced from reality. Right, right. That right. this is just like different ways of presenting the same information. Right. Yeah. No, that's not helpful. I don't. There's probably that's a whole other topic of how that is probably not helpful or not going to work. Um, Toxic positivity. Right. Yeah. Well, right. Uh, and right. Not authentic. You're not dealing with what's actually in front of you, and it just doesn't help to pretend. And so mm -hmm. we're not talking about pretending. We're talking about acknowledging the truth of, of a whole situation, but then making a choice to maybe focus on a part of that that's more helpful. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that came up when you were talking about your running example, it, it, so a very nice job. I think this links back to um, last episode about uh, taking time, sharpening our saw, joining the resistance, and just making time for ourselves. Because I think if we don't have time to reflect uh, even a little bit on these 
on these topics on how things are going, then we don't have the opportunity to reframe, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're always going kind of hectically from one thing to the other, it's really hard to take a breath and step back and, you know, have a conversation with ourselves or think, what would I tell myself in this situation? And so I think giving ourselves room in life to have those conversations or to have the opportunity is really important. Nice follow-up. Thanks. <laughs> so in keeping with our challenge from last episode, Julia, what's our challenge for the next couple of weeks here? How can we sort of work on this intentionally with all of our listeners uh, holding us accountable? This, this is I, I both like this and don't like this. <laughs> I put um, you on the spot. No, 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 that's fine. No, that's good. I just, you know, uh, uh, what, it's going to make me more mindful and, you know, thoughtful. Come on, this is a hard work. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm going to reframe as this is a good opportunity for uh, personal growth. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I think I'm going to be on the lookout for uh, examples of places where things are hard and my gut reaction is to have a bad attitude and I'm going to, you know, try to be thoughtful and gentle with myself and figure out how to reframe it in a way that is both factually accurate and uh, more positive. Mm -hmm. Good. Okay. So let's each try to share one example next time of a reframe that is, you know, suitable for the public. And dear listeners, do you know that you can uh, email us and tell us that you have done the same? They can. The portal for sending us mail is open. And I know there's going to be a lot of demand for it. So get yours in quick while you can. And what's our website, Jonathan? Juiceandsqueeze.net. And if you want to see uh, links for this episode, that would be juiceandsqueeze.net slash four. This is episode four. He's right. Okay, so the, the reason that I wanted to talk about this topic today, one of the reasons is that this is a thing that I haven't heard people talk about very much. Um, and, and so I wanted to both share what I have thought about about it and, you know, get Jonathan's take on it. Um, but I would also love to hear from you, listeners, about what are the things that you think about that you haven't heard um, get much discussion in academic circles or in, in life generally. So we'd be happy to take your suggestions uh, via email about those things, too. You can also tweet at us. You can we have a juice squeeze pod on Twitter or uh, Julia and I are also both on there. We'll keep an eye out for your questions so we can talk about them. I'm not sure about answer. We also wanted to remind you, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com. And then you can search for the juice and the squeeze or just go to patreon.com slash juice and squeeze. And what we've got there is um, access to our Slack group where we can talk about stuff. You can give us suggestions there. And we have exclusive audio content, including early access to some of our episodes only for our supporters. So it uh, really isn't super encouraging to us, which is the main thing, but also it gives us a little extra chance to interact, which is fun. All right. Let me take us out with one more story that is both about positive framing and about running. Here I am saying I'm not a runner. And then, okay, here's what happens. Okay. So this is um, some years ago, I was living in St. Louis and I was training for my first like long run. And I'd go for these, I'd go for runs in Forest Park, which is this beautiful park in St. Louis um, that has lots of great running trails. And running along, probably feeling bad about myself because it was early in my running career and running's no fun. Um, and, you know, and, and somewhat struggling. And all of a sudden this woman like starts running right next to me. You know, she just kind of comes around a corner and there she is. And 
Uh, and she starts, you know, asking me about running and how long I've been doing it and, you know, giving me all this like positive feedback for, for running. And especially when I was like, oh, I'm not that into it. You know, she was just saying, oh, good for you for getting out here and it gets better and pretty soon you'll be hooked. And it was really nice. So we just kind of ran together for a while. And then there came a point where I had to go one way to get home. And she said, oh, I got to go this way. And she said, you know, but great, great seeing you. And, you know, I'll see you around. And it was just a nice little chance meeting with a stranger. So then a couple of months later, um, I was running um, in a race and uh, it was hard and I was not and it was and it was hard and running sucks. And it was, you know, I was struggling Um, and I was really flagging and thinking, boy, maybe I'm not even going to finish. I don't know. Uh, And then out of the crowd comes this woman. She was running the same race and she like came up next to me and was like, oh, I can't believe you're here. And we were like high fiving. And she was like, how are you feeling? And I was like, oh, I am not feeling good. I'm really hurting. And she was like, well, you've got so much to be proud of and you're doing awesome. And we're over halfway done. And I know you can do this and just really like building me up. And it was amazing. And then she's like, all right, I'm going to take off. And I was like, good for you. and Good for you. And it was this great exchange. And then, you know, she like melted off into the crowd and I'm running along and I'm running and I'm running. And then I thought, oh, my God, am I hallucinating? Like, is she (laughs) real? She's the embodiment of that voice you want to have in your head, right? Exactly. And it's like saying exactly the things that are, you know, like the best for me to hear. And and this is like exactly the kind of thing that I would hallucinate. Right. It's just (laughs) someone coming up, giving me a lot of praise and then and then running off. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I sometimes think, you know, when I'm struggling, what would that woman whose name I don't even know, uh, what would she say if she were here? And certainly it would be something really nice and positive and and also, you know, probably true that would that would build me up. So I try to hear her voice in my head when uh, when when my voice isn't being kind enough. So I really like that a lot. And I think that's a really useful technique. And sometimes um, just using our kind of imagination and creativity to encourage us to reframe, I think is really useful because I can't always think of what I would tell myself if I'm struggling with something, but I could imagine what, um, Julia, maybe I'll imagine what you would tell me if I was in that situation. And that can sort of help break me out of um, a negative focus. But that Mm -hmm. also makes me think Sort of the opposite is how can we be that woman for other people, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone's dealing with their own things. And um, this is something I've realized, you know, the older I get, the more I realize that pretty much everyone has stuff they're dealing with that you don't know about, whether it's little things on a particular day, it's just not going well, or big life things that they, um, you know, there are any of our business. And so we don't know about them. And so yep. on the one hand, there's a general you know, it encourages me to try to be kind and patient with people because we don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. But then specifically for what we're talking about, it makes me think of, well, how can we not only just be sort of kind in a bland, in a bland way, but like, how can we actually be encouraging to people? And maybe that's especially, you know, our friends and coworkers and people in our lab, but maybe even it's the random person you meet in the park when you're running that just Mm -hmm. trying to be that voice for them on that day, you have no idea how it's going to affect them, right? Like she Mm -hmm. probably did not anticipate that, um, you know, years after that meeting, you would be relaying this story on a podcast because it stuck with you. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's an opportunity for all of us to to try to help other people that way, too, even if we may never know how much of an impact it has. So maybe here's another charge for next week is uh, l- look for someone who you can be, you know, the woman running in Forest Park. 
for. <laughs> right. Someone you can pretend to be a hallucination for. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I think, but that is a, I think that's a positive way to think about it. And honestly, there are probably some benefits to just thinking about other people in a more positive way too, that mm-hmm. kind of come from that. Right. Okay. Here's to being honestly positive with ourselves and helping other people to do the same. Cheers to that. Okay. <laughs> All right, Julia. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye.